0: There is a handout this morning and Mike is passing those out. Mike is finishing that up. I'm gonna go ahead and pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Lord, the day that you have made, may we rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for your faithfulness to us and thank you that um, we have this opportunity to to come together, to learn, uh, to grow. Lord, would you use this time uh, to build up your kingdom? Uh, I pray, Father, that uh, you would um, use me to uh, communicate clearly uh, what is pleasing to you, what is truth. Um, Lord, move me out of the way and speak through me uh, the truths of, of your word. I thank you. Thank you for, for Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, today is chapter two, which is um, our attribute today is God's immensity. immensity. And he kind of inter- uses also eminence in this chapter. Um, the goal today is to help us understand how God's immensity is reflected in the emptiness of our hearts that only he can fill. Um, there are, <clears throat> excuse me. He opens the this chapter with three uh, passages, and I'm gonna read those, and as I read these, um, Think about what is the common theme of these passages. First one is Matthew 16, 25 through 26. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. The second um, passage is Colossians 3.3. 3. You might remember this from last week. And your life is hid with Christ in God. <clears throat> and then the final one is Philippians 3.8. Yea doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. What do you think is a common theme in these passages? If you have the book, there is an opening prayer, and he says does the prayer give us any clue to that the nothingness of man okay what did you say after nothing okay the nothingness of man anybody else knowing Christ is everything, okay. From the prayer, um, it starts, Father, we're unworthy to think these thoughts. But to me, it kind of, and he goes on, and our friends are unworthy to hear them expressed. So I think similar to what Brett was saying, or the unworthiness of man, could be a theme in here. And um, another thing that I picked up on was my life is not my own, but I belong to Christ, or it belongs to Christ. Um, You guys, can you see that? You agree with those themes or have anything else?
1: Mm-hmm. are going to destroy the things that don't last forever but eternity brings the Lord and that's where we're trying
0: to arrest you know yeah That he did talk about that throughout the book and I think in a reference to um a God sized hole in our heart that only God can fill and we'll touch on that uh, a little bit later on But Tozier opens a chapter, um, and he's talking about um, two different types of faith, a nominal faith and a real faith. What does he mean by that? real faith well to a certain extent but yeah so in Romans 4 verse 3 Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness it was not what Abraham believed but who Abraham believed. Right. Yeah. So just to go on a little bit more from believing the text. So when you're handed out, those first, um, it was not what, the first two, the first um, blank there is, it was not what Abraham believed, but who Abraham believed. Um, nominal faith is what you believe. And real faith is who you believe. The real faith knows what God is like. Real faith knows God and what he is like. Um, so the man of true faith has found an answer to the question of what is God like by revelation and illumination. And what Tozer says about Revelation is that it's objective and not subjective. And that Revelation is external and not internal. So that's, I think, related to the, you can relate, to me, that related to the text and what he was talking about the text, that the text is objective, it's external, you can know it in your head, but as Dave said, it's not you don't know it in your heart. Um, and so to get to knowing it in your heart um, takes us to illumination. Um, there is another way to find the answer to the question, what is God like? And that's illumination um, by the Holy Spirit. the man of real faith believes the word, but that word has been illuminated so that he knows what the word means. Revelation is a means toward an end, so knowing the text, and God is the end, not the text itself, so the revelation reveals the text, but illumination helps you understand what the text means, and therefore understanding the text, you know, you know God. Any questions on that? The next thing that he talks about is the size of things, and he, he makes reference to, uh, to Lady Julian and this um, her vision of a hazelnut and seeing, and I meant to bring a hazelnut this morning so you could see how small a hazelnut is or how large a hazelnut is depending on how you're viewing it. But roughly that a dime is a little bigger than a hazelnut, just the nut itself. Okay, so meant to bring the nut, but anyway. Um, So she talks about seeing the hazelnut, and that that was, that was everything. This is all that is made. This is all that is made. So she was viewing the hazelnut as as everything that God had created, Um, and then Pascal. Kind of built on that some um talking about we as as um, humans are halfway between immensity and that which is infinitesimally small so i think what he was saying was if if from the hazelnut to us we are bigger than the hazelnut but yet all of creation is that much bigger than than us to the hazelnut does that make sense you guys following me okay um and it goes on and talks some more about the solar system and so kind of some things that Robbie had mentioned last week about the distance to the closest star other than the sun. And um, it, it, I think it expands on that idea of um, the, the uh, infinite, um, inf, infin, the inf, not infinity, but the God's infinitude. So if you think about that, and that if the hazelnut is everything and you go in one direction to much larger with the universes and the solar systems, you can go the other direction to the atoms and protons and those things. Um, And God God is in all of that. God has created all of that. So does that change your perspective um, on how you view God in any way? are quiet today. We said last week that we can we can know God. We can't know all of him, but what we can know about him is it's true. Accurately. Yeah, was it, I think that was you that said that. I got that Okay. I agree with
2: I mean, I, I, So, as we're looking at, let's look at the immensity, the infinity, the, you know, we're, we're trying to get our human words again around something that we will not get our minds around. But like yet, science, education, sometimes, is asking me to wrap my mind around something that still is not logical either.
0: Yes. And that's a—it's—it's it's different perspectives, different views, and what of what people believe, and they both take faith.
2: Yeah,
0: so. Yeah. Right. next thing he talks about is the imminence of God. Um, and uh, I'm going to read Psalm 139 verses 8 through 10. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Based on this, um, eminence, we're talking about eminence. What is the definition of eminence? Supremacy? Um, no, not closeness. Closeness? That's closer. There's no place that God is not. You don't have to go a distance to find God. He's in everything. and He is here right now. He's, he's across the world right now. And there's a... The um, so imminence... You know, I don't. uh, What did I do? Trying to remember what goes in that blank. You don't have to go anywhere to find God. God is in everything. He is here right now. Next one. God doesn't oh I know. God doesn't travel to get anywhere. That's what goes there. There it is. Okay. Uh can't follow my own outline. Um I in um I have a book or we have a book called Bible Doctrine by Wayne Grudem. And what he said about eminence is God is also very very much involved in creation for it is continually dependent on him for its existence and functioning. And the technical term used to speak of God's involvement in creation is the word eminent Meaning remaining in creation. So that idea of remaining in is God is created and then He is in it at all times, everywhere. Um, Can you name a place where God is not? Think about the passage from Psalm that we read. There isn't. And does that give you comfort?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. What Brett said is a younger Christian, knowing that God was everywhere, there's nowhere that God is not, was frightening, because he couldn't hide from God. But as a more mature believer, it is comforting. The next thing um, Tozer talks about is the immensity of God, and we want to read Isaiah 40, and um, think about, listen to verse 15 particularly. Oh, pardon me, can I say one other thing? Yes. I think that's true. It's just a matter of what you believe about that. And, and he talks a little bit later on about um, God being first in your life. And I think having the right, being in the right relationship with God, having him as the priority and not things of this world is what gets you through those times when like the pandemic or other um, challenges that we face in life if god is first in our life it gets us through doesn't mean that it makes them any easier but we can get through it but it
2: doesn't disappear
0: no but it's it's what we trust in Um, so Isaiah 40 I'm going to try to read this but I'm going to need help so I'm going to start with does everybody have a bible open to Isaiah 40 we're going to start with Isaac he's going to read verse 1 and then we're going to work our way read one verse and I'll finish what we don't have. 17. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That was a lot, but I'm going to read verse 15 again. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Now, the, the question um, that is asked is how does God's immensity differ from God's eminence based on this scripture? And we've talked about eminence a little bit more so than immensity. the definition of eminence was basically god is god in everything the immensity then um, eminence is god in everything god is outside of all things and inside of all things and around all things remember that our God made it that is the immensity of God what is the significance of this in your life All right, anything else on that one? Yeah, that idea of God is created and he's in creation. And us in his image, he dwells in us as believers. In a book by Ed
1: Welch, when people are big and God is small, we talk about, you know, in our lives, we're, we're worried about what
0: people think of us. But God knows everything. Mm-hmm. We, we should... to um, God holds what he loves um, Tozier talks about why things don't fall apart um, on page 26 he says that God made them talking about things that God made God loves them and God keeps them he says a whole lot more about that, but that's kind of the, the gist of what, um, what he's saying. Um, God made them, God loves them, and God keeps them. What is the significance of that for us? Yes.
3: Them. Them.
0: And if you think about that, God keeps me part of that. How, or why is that important? To us when I think see he talked in the book about a friend who has a friend that um, he keeps his friends he doesn't want to lose them and if you, if you carry that on to um, eternity or immortality. So God made, made, made us, he made me, he made you. God um, loves us and he will keep us. So even though we die in this world, that's not the end. God doesn't leave us. was one of the things that I got out of that section. Just the idea of once we you know, God loves me, God knows me, God keeps me, but not just here in this earth, but for eternity. Would you wanna say something, Gerald? Okay. You look like it. Okay. time here, but I'm going to take a few more minutes to try to get through this. The next section was, why are we not happy? Um, and I want to take just a few minutes to talk about happy versus joy, because I believe the better question is Why are we not joyful? And I found on Compassion website what I think is a good explanation of the difference between joy and happy. Um, I'll go through this just quickly. Um, Joy is a little word, happiness is a bigger word. Joy is in the heart, happiness is on the face. Joy is of the soul, happiness is of the moment. Joy transcends, happiness reacts. Joy embraces peace and contentment, waiting to be discovered. Joy runs deep and overflows, while happiness hugs hello. Joy is a practice and a behavior. (coughs) It's deliberate and intentional. Happiness comes and goes blithely along its way. Joy is profound and scriptural. Don't worry, rejoice. Happiness is a balm. Don't worry, be happy. Joy is an inner feeling. Happiness is an outward expression. Joy endures hardship and trials and connects with meaning and purpose. A person pursues happiness but chooses joy. Um, And then you've got these following three paragraphs there. Um, I'm not going to read those, but on your handout, um, I, w- I would suggest that you read them. And I do want to point out um, in the third paragraph there, joy is a fruit of the spirit. Think Galatians 5:22 and 23. Um, and when we find joy, it's infused with comfort and wrapped in peace. So... Having said all that, he talks in the book about seeking after things and why does seeking after things leave us unsatisfied. We are putting our confidence in things and not in God. All that is beneath God, all that he's created, will not satisfy us. Only God will satisfy us. The solution then, what is the solution? We are made in the image of God and nothing short of God will satisfy us.
1: But do you think sometimes our idea of God is too small? And we don't have the idea of God, the God of the Bible?
0: Yeah. talks I think one of the last things God must be first which we touched on a little bit ago Um, what's the difference between trying to add on God and having your life hid with Christ in God Um, and I think that relates closely to why are we not happy Um, we have our whatever it might be in God he talks about in the book have my house in God have my job in God So God has added on to the things that we have. But we we put God as a plus sign after something else. But God must be first and not an add-on. God wants to be first, and he wants to be all in our life. God may bless us with earthly things, but it is always with the understanding that he can take it away and we will not grumble. If God takes it away, we still have God, and God is all that is sufficient for us. All right. So next week is God's goodness. Um, so something I pulled out. The goodness of God is, on, is the only valid reason for existence, the only reason underlying all things. So I'm going to close today prayer that's at the end of this chapter pray with me now father wilt thou bless all who receive this message wilt thou grant we pray that we may forget the things that are behind and press forward toward the things that are ahead wilt thou grant that we may see all that is as only the size of a hazelnut and ourselves in God as vast so vast that we encompass the worlds and are utterly empty without thee. Fill us, O God, fill us with thyself, for without thee ever we will be wanting. Fill us with thyself for Jesus Christ's sake, amen.